you're here for the first time or maybe you haven't been here for a long while, so good to see you. We're excited about what God's going to do today. Uh, before we jump into worship, I just want to extend uh, some thanks. We're very thankful for those of you who were able to show up yesterday and be a part last night at Lone Street Cafe downtown as, as we were able to minister and feed and love on and be the hands and feet of Jesus to some homeless people in our area. I appreciate you guys being there with that. So that was a great night and, and just thankful to see that. Uh, that's what we are called to do. Uh, it's more about uh, being the hands and feet in Jesus than these uh, than these four walls. You know, a lot more of that. We talked about that, that, that we get to come to the dusty earth foot of the cross and be in the presence of the Lord this morning. So thankful. So uh, I'm uh, excited as we uh, just continue in worship through song, and then we'll open God's Word at some point today. Uh, we're not going to program it. We're going to follow the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer, and I hope that's the prayer of yours. So if you would, let's stand and let's worship together. joy in the house of the Lord. You guys sing this together. We worship. Shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. 
And now we are sitting at the table of our king this morning. Isn't that incredible? It's amazing. I, I told them this sentence keeps going over in my head. To the degree I remember I was a wretch is the degree to which I will rejoice in my redeemer. We got some strobe lights going. This time to, we're about to party in here. That's what I'm talking about. It's all right, Jeff. Let them go, baby. Let those things go. Let me say this sentence again. To the degree I remember I was a wretch is the degree to which I will rejoice in my Redeemer. That's right. If I don't remember who I was, I won't rejoice in who God has made me today. But I know who I was. I don't deserve a place at his table. We talked about it this morning. We said, look, we get to come into God's presence. Do you realize you don't belong? I love you. You don't belong there. I don't belong in God's presence, but because of what Jesus has done, he brings us in and gives us a seat at the table. Amen. Lord, we're here to worship you this morning because of all you are and because of all you've done in Christ Jesus. Lord, your name is worthy, and we want to lift you up this morning. Let's sing together. Yeah, rumors, you sing. Come on. Rumors of the Son of a Man. The stories of a Savior. with a human hand. Yes, he is the treasure for the traitor. No ear is heard, no eye is seen. The image of the Father until heaven came to live with me. A rescue life.
this morning and thank you for allowing us here in your house for giving us the joy that only you can bring for forgiving our sin when we could not overcome the debt we owed lord i thank you for calling us your children 
You don't keep us at an arm's length. Lord, you bring us in close, and we are part of your family this morning. Lord, thank you so much for all that you've done in Jesus. You guys sing this together with heaven. I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. Sin separated. The breach was far too wide. But from the far side of the chasm, you held me in your side. So you made a way across the great divide. Left behind heaven's throne to build it here.
Y'all sound so good this morning. Sing glory to his name. Glory to your name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Oh, glory to so much. We love you. We thank you for your name, Jesus. We thank you that you have given us so much in your name. And Lord, we just want to, uh, our whole entire lives to be poured out 
in response to the glory that you're due. And Lord, we know that's a miracle that we ask for. We know that that is not something we can accomplish outside of a loving and growing relationship with your son, Jesus. And so we ask that you would do that miracle in our hearts. Help us to keep on being able to see this morning how glorious you are. Help us to see in your word how glorious you are. And I pray that we, our hearts would be ready to hear your word. And Lord, it would, it would change us. We would be different when we leave here. We pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank y'all for singing with us this morning. Yes. Amen. 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 So thankful to uh, be in the Lord's house uh, this morning with a group of believers. Um, I trust and pray that you know Jesus, but I trust and pray even more. If you don't, you will before we leave here today. Uh, that's my prayer. That's my heart's desire as we stand once again, and, and we're going to open up the, the Word of God and, and be in Ephesians as we're coming close to drawing uh, this time uh, that we've been going through Ephesians verse by verse for a few months now uh, to an end. We have this week, and Lord willing, uh, we will finish up next week, and, and then we'll jump into wherever else the Lord is leading us uh, at this present time. But I'm thankful to be here this morning. I'm thankful that I can sing glory to his name. I'm thankful that I can sing with confidence knowing that I know that I know that the blood was applied to my heart, this vile and wretched heart, and it cleansed me whiter than snow. And I'm so thankful this morning. And, and the only way that I know that could happen is what we've been reading at the beginning of every sermon over the last month, Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. What a thankful, how thankful I am for that because again in verse 21, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So again, just my prayer for you, my prayer for myself is, is that Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, that I want to know that the only way anything can happen is through the power at work within me. And it's within me because I accepted that at the dust of the earth, the foot of the cross, that blood that, that, that brought me into this covenant with my God in heaven through his son, Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful of that. And we've been talking about that. And, and this week we get to continue with the third type of relationship that the apostle Paul has given us. We talked a couple of weeks ago about walking worthy of the calling in which we're called in marriage. And then last week we talked about with, with parents and children. And today we get to go to a place that unfortunately most often we don't take our walk with Christ into. And that's the workplace. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But, but I don't think it's by accident, and, and obviously I know it's not, it's the Word of God, that, that Paul begins this text, Ephesians 6, 5 through 9, with the word bondservant or slave rather than employees. And of course it's true that in the first century when this was written, the relationship was that of slaves and masters. And at the time that Paul penned this letter, many say that half of the Roman Empire was estimated to be slaves. And half of those slaves were Christians. So this is a very important letter. And, uh, and, and, and it didn't come at first to the upper class, the rich, the mighty, the powerful. It started at the bottom. And I think there's something to be said about that. 
Uh, it came to the working people and among slaves. Many of, uh, of these slaves, you've got to understand, we, we, we have this thought in our mind, but it's different. They were highly educated people. They were, they were taken into slavery or captivity when, as Roman was just spreading their empire and they're bringing them and their slaves. They were highly educated people. And, and, and again, they were not unintelligent. They were slaves, literally in bondage to others. And it was among these that the Christian message really found its initial reception in this world. I mean, there's where the people, think about this, the people that, that, that Christ has empowered the apostles to reach the working class. I think there's something to be said about that. You know, again, we've all heard the story, and Christmas is coming, and we'll talk about that. You know, God could have sent Christ in on his throne, King of kings, Lord of lords, but he came in a lowly way as a baby in a manger to a carpenter and a wife who was found with child because she was given child through the power of the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, so again, in this, uh, as Paul's writing this letter, there was also among them uh, the category of masters or the boss man, as we like to call, who were also Christians. And as they came together to worship as the Christian community, they were taught from the scriptures that in Christ there is no slavery, there is no race, there was no favoritism, and the Christians all met together as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. They found there that the ground, and we say this all the time, is completely level at the foot of the cross. There is no hierarchy. There is no social status. But of course, when they went back home and when they went to work, the question arose, well, well what about now? It's fine when we're in church. It's fine when we're getting the scriptures read to us, but we're back at home. We're back at work. What do we do now? Are we to continue this relationship as brothers while at work? Does this mean that we're to be free from any bondage or responsibility to another Christian? It's a big question. And this, this question came up and it had to be settled. And I believe that is why Paul is, is, is being inspired by God to, to do that here. He's settling this question for all time, how we are to walk in the relationship of bondservant and master. And you say, well, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Am I a bondservant? Is that what you're saying? Am I a No, we'll, we'll get to that. Because I don't think it's difficult for us to see that the same principles prevail in the question of management and labor. Because that's what we call it most of the time, management and labor. A lot of people don't like to use the word boss anymore. And it's true that employees are no longer slaves. In most of the world, most of the world, slavery has been eliminated, thank God. But it's also true that in seeking employment, I want you to hear me out. This is important. In seeking employment, we voluntarily, hear me out here, voluntarily sell our bodies, our minds, and our skills, our bodies, our minds, and our skills <clears throat> to another for a period of time. I mean, that's kind of blunt. You think, what, really? But that's what, in essence, we are doing. 
We work out a mutual, agreeable relationship, and within the limits of that agreement, we are slaves to whom we are selling our time and our freedom to. Now, this is hard. This is not something I like to say to myself, and maybe it's tough for you to hear it, but again, I want you to hear that. We work out a mutual, agreeable relationship, and within the limits, within the limits of that agreement, we are slaves to whom we sell our time and our freedom. So the, the issues are exactly the same as what Paul is writing back. So the question is, how should we conduct ourselves toward those to whom we have these responsibilities of obedience in the realm of work? So here again, we're made continually aware of the terrible failure that exists, one of the terrible failures that exists in our day and time. Whole nations suffer because of the wars and divisions that exist between management and labor. Just read, it's there. Strikes can paralyze entire nations and wreak havoc in the economy. Further, uh, this strife between uh, labor and management is frequently a scene of violence and strife, even murder. So what's wrong? Why is this happening? Why is there such strife? Because strife is always a symptom of violation of, of fundamental order. Strife is always a symptom if we're violating fundamental order, the way things should be. Now, many of you in here are probably like me. I don't like being told what to do. I don't like following the rules. I, get in trouble. I, I don't like to park where they say you're supposed to park. I don't like to do I like to do what I want to do. I don't like to drive how they say you're supposed to drive. I like to do as I like to do. But again, it causes strife. Because if I don't park the way I'm supposed to and I get towed, I'm pretty, that's a lot of strife. If I don't drive the way I'm supposed to and I get pulled over and my insurance agent, who really never answers my phone when I call him, Matt is here. We love Matt. I do. But anyway, shout out to my brother this morning. But again, my insurance goes up and then I have to talk to Casey because they're trying to cancel my insurance again. So that's strife because I'm not willing to follow the fundamental rules. So we see it in the workplace. Even more so. And, it, and it's, it's evidence that something has gotten wrong, and, and, and there's failure <clears throat> to observe the simple principles that resolve conflict. Those principles, remember, were given to us, and this is, this is good. It's been good to me even again this morning reading over this. But those principles were given to us in one sentence. I like simple. One sentence a few weeks ago. And this is the foundation of these walks Paul has given us in marriage, in the home, and in the workplace now, as we're going to talk about. Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another out of the reverence of Christ. That's the whole key. Cliff Notes version. There it is. And Paul addresses this, the latter especially today, as we stand, if you can, and we're going to read the text today, Ephesians 6, <clears throat> excuse me, verses 5 through 9. There it is on the screen. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, 
knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Verse 9, masters do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Lord, we thank you for this text. Help us as we continue to just dissect it, unpack it for just a moment on how you can radically continue to change our lives. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So in this, in this passage, <clears throat> Paul is, is really dealing with three things that I'd like for us to look at this morning. First, there's an activity which is required by this relationship. The relationship we're talking about is between employee and employer. Uh, second, there's an attitude in which the activity is to be performed. First of all, there's an activity that is required. Now there's an attitude in which it is to be performed. And third, there is an awareness of the fundamental principle at work that keeps this whole relationship from turning into tyranny, if you will. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've been in the workplace where it's like this. I worked at UPS many years ago, and there was strikes and all this stuff, and it was like tyranny. It was us against them. And that's not what God is going to be talking about here as Paul writes this text, because this is what we desperately need to hear today, because we have set before us the principles which, if we observe them, would resolve these types of conflicts that can tear us apart. I mean, it literally can. Now, let us examine more closely. First, there's an activity required on the part of the employees. And it's put into one word, a word that we all struggle with. I know I do. Obedience. The text says, obey your earthly masters. The same Greek word we used a couple of last week as we talked about children obeying your parents. The same word, exactly. And it means simply to follow orders. It means that Christian employees are under obligation to who those are that hire them to do what they say. It's really simple. Do what the boss says do. Go to work. It's that simple. So, but, but, but then you say, well, but, 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 but how? How can I do this always? Because what do we want to do? We want to push back. We want to question. We want to rebel. We want to revolt. We don't want to submit as a master to a slave. But, 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 but we are obedient. But again, how do you expect me to do this? Now, there is a better way. The only way, I believe, that truly works. And the Apostle Paul puts his finger right on it. It's a way that takes faith because it does not look like it's the way. Do you hear me out? It takes faith because what, what, we're, what we're being told, that, that can't be the way. Submit, obey, yield, that's not in me. That's not in me, Jason, at all. But you're telling, but, 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 faith. Faith that it is the way. In the realm of, of history, wherever this has been tried, it has always worked. I didn't say sometimes, but it has always worked. Putting our faith in God in heaven, the Lord of our life, and obeying him, thus all this else. We go back to 521. 
render ourselves obedient to those other followers. Bond servants, so here again, what Paul specifically says, bond servants, slash slaves, be obedient to those who are your earthly masters. This is the job. That's it. Now, with, with this activity goes a very special and essential attitude. Paul has two things to say about that attitude. And the second, as we'll talk about in a minute, is so important. He mentions it four times in this short little passage. Pretty important if Paul says something four times in this short little passage. The first thing is this, though. Be obedient with fear and trembling. That's the attitude. The activity is to obey, but the attitude is to be doing this with fear and trembling. The fear and trembling is not directed towards the boss at all. So many people think that. He may be a jerk. Anybody ever worked for a jerk? Anybody ever been a jerk? Somebody that works for you? I can keep my hand raised on all of that because I'm in this, I'm fallible, right? I'm not saying it's okay, but I'm just telling you. So he may be a jerk. He may be an unjust person. Uh, but no Christian is ever asked to be a trembling or spineless individual towards their boss or master. Never. Have you been asked to do that? That's not what Paul is saying. The fear and trembling that is mentioned here is to be directed towards oneself. It's the healthy recognition, hear me out, the healthy recognition of the danger of Christians going along with the philosophy of those around them, the world, and acting as they do, destroying the possibility of God working through them and the power of God being released in that situation. So the fear and trembling is directed towards oneself, not the boss. Because if you're directing it towards that and you're afraid of him, we'll talk about it in a little bit, is, is it, it, it changes you. And that's not what Paul is asking to do here. It is fear and trembling lest we deny the greatest force in all of these challenges that we see in the workplace. Paul speaks of himself like this to the Christians. When I came among you, I came in fear and trembling. 1 Corinthians 2, 3. Why? Glad you asked. Verse 2, 4. Lest I come in the wisdom of the world. Hear me out, this is what he said. When I came among you, I came in fear and trembling, lest I come in the wisdom of the world. So good. <laughs> Paul says, I'm not coming reflecting the philosophies and ideas that dominate the attitude of those around and merely tickle your minds with these, these, this, 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 uh, this, this talk, this teaching that comes and tickled so many Greeks' minds. Paul said, I'm not coming with that. Because, yeah, well, there's a lot of things out there that tickle the ears that are not from God. And Paul said, I'm not going to do that. He says, I come in fear and trembling, lest I succumb to that and rob you, those who were around, of that great transformation that comes from the power of Jesus Christ in the workplace, working in us. So again, he writes also to the Philippians, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because we're talking about an attitude here uh, in Philippians 2.12 uh, because it is God that works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So that's what we're working out. Be afraid lest you fail to these, these, these false ideas that are so dominant in the thinking of those around us, especially in the workplace. Because we are people who get influenced. Therefore, that, I mean, that's the first thing. 
you, you face this type of relationship with fear and trembling, lest you, to, lest you fail to trust in the living God at work in you. And secondly, and, and this is the important thing which Paul says four different ways. In the text, it says, obey in, in, in sincereness or sincerity of the heart as to Christ. Other translation, I read this translation this week, and it, it said, in singleness of the heart. And that, that kind of stood out to me, Mike. I mean, you know, with a sincere heart, I mean, you're sincere, you mean it, you trust it. But this other translation said, in the singleness of the heart. The single, that means, what does single mean? One. That's the beauty of it. And I love that. And that's why I want to mention it today, because if we do this in, in, in the singleness of the heart, it, it, it means that, that it's without divided loyalty. Because that's where the rubber meets the road at the workplace, right, as followers of Christ. We can become divided. Because, yes, we, we, we love the Lord, but we need these things, and, and we need to obey. So, again, we get confused. And so, in other words, what Paul is saying here, settle it once and for all, your mind and your heart, that, that you are not there to merely please the boss. You're there to please the Lord. And you carry your relationship of concern for the Lord to your work as well as we do here in church. You're to work as unto Christ, and you're, our supreme concern is loyalty to him above all else in any situation. Because if you're trying to, to please two different forces, those around you and the Lord, you'll be torn apart in conflict, and it never lets up. Been there. Done that. So he says, obey in the single, singleness of heart as to Christ. And, then, and then, then he, Paul says the same idea negatively, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers. And then he comes back positively, but as bond service of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. And then once again, Paul says, rendering service with a good will is to the Lord is not to man. I love how Paul does, man, he's such a beautiful writer as God works through him in writing this. So four times this idea is put forth. Never work for men, Christians. Work only for God. You can work under a man's direction. You've got to do that. But remember that you're working unto the Lord. Your daily task is work that he has given you to do. you got to think about that. Some of us in this room, let's just be honest, do not like their job. Some of us don't work yet, but probably need to. And will soon. Something about knowing how to work, right? But, but again, do you understand when you get up in the morning and you go to work and you may think it's miserable and you may think this, but if you can look at it from this context, God's given you that job. He's blessed you with that job, no matter how hard it is. Because if, if you do that, man, if we let our daily task be known that it's, it's work that God has given us and we do it to him, what a glory that is given to every task. We say glory to his name as we clean a toilet. And I'm not joking when I say that. You can say glory to his name, Darren, when you was a, a young man and, and your daddy said, go grab that shovel and just start digging that way until, you, until I tell you to stop. Now, you could be miserable in that, and you probably were at times. As my dad tell me, I just took 12-inch block for eight hours today. And that happened on a lot of occasions. I'd kill a man. But again... I wasn't giving glory to the Lord then. I was fussing and cussing the whole time. 
But man, if I could have been giving glory to the Lord, I look back and think, man, I could have been singing praises up in Sky Valley, toting 12-inch block for eight hours. If you ain't never done that. And we're still going to get Chase tearing off shingles one day, I promise you. I'm working on that. We talked about that a few weeks ago, so I'm looking forward to that. Andrew, Pastor Andrew said, uh, can you video that? When that happens and send it to me, it's pretty good. He was listening that day online. But again, if we will do this, you will never have another dull day at work. Do you hear me? Never have another dull day at work. You'll never be bored stiff with the routine of sitting down and making telephone calls or following up with this or doing that. You won't be one of those that just, that, that, that just gets out of whack because all you have to do is recognize that you're doing it with a desire for the Lord's approval. That's why I work. I'm desiring the favor of the Lord, the Lord's approval, because I want to do it for Him. And with the recognition that one day it will be made open and clear to all that, 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 that I've done it unto the Lord, that you've done it unto the Lord and not unto men. Now, what are the signs of the failure to do this? So Paul's really good at giving us that. He gives us the signs of failure to do this, and, and he picks them out for us. The first sign is eye service. We're not to work for eye service. This means working only when the boss is watching. You ever been guilty of that? How about... I'm working hard when the coach is looking at you, athletes. CJ, when coach wasn't looking, would you stop running as hard? Would you not go all the way to the line? Oh, yeah, we all would. We've all done that. But that's what he's talking about here. When he, when he turns his back, you quit working. That's eye service. And in studying this week, I read an account, and this is very bizarre, but this happened some years ago. There was a, a, a foreman in Africa, and he, and he had several... Uh, uh, legal workers that worked under him, and, and it was, he was a pretty big guy in, in this realm of work that he was in. He was the boss man, El Patron, if you're speaking Spanish. So, so he was the boss, and, and he, he started seeing that the guys would work like crazy when he was around watching. But then he would leave and come back two hours later, and they'd done about five minutes worth of work because you could see what was done. But the beauty, I read this this week, and I I hope to goodness it's true. It said it was a reliable source. But it said this, this, this boss man had a glass eye. Literally. This is weird. But he, would he, got, he took his glass eye out. It's in Africa. And he would set that eye on a stump. It's a true story. And, and, and he would put it towards the guys working. So in, this is, they thought he could still see. Okay. That's what the story said. So they're working like crazy. But one of them got smart. He snuck around back behind the eye and put a hat over it, <laughs> covered the eye up. And then this boss man came back, and they were just sitting around because the eye couldn't see them anymore. But that, so that's, it's a funny story. It's kind of crazy, but that's what he's talking about here. We don't work for eye service. It is that attitude that, that really pervades our society today, the idea of only working when the boss is watching. If you're a Christian, this is absolutely forbidden. Forbidden's a big word, but it's absolutely forbidden. If you want to be faithful to the Lord, remember that the eye watches you that is watching you is not a human eye, but God sees everything. And he knows that. So the first sign of a divided loyalty to his eye service, the second sign of failure in this respect is men-pleasing. 
uh, he, 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 the apostle, I mean, again, this was written thousands of years ago, but I mean, how relevant it is even today. Uh, God is so good because uh, this is so frequent in the workplace. Men pleasing. It's kissing up to the boss. It's, it's plain office politics. And it reveals a double heart, this lack of singleness of heart or single focus. And it reveals that we're trying to get by on making men happy, but disregarding what the Lord thinks. That's what it is. And there's signs of failure. And, and Christians are called away from these things. No Christian has any business in these types of activity if he wants to be faithful to the Lord. Because for one thing, they don't work. They'll always be seen. They don't accomplish a thing. They seem to, but in the end, they don't. Because there's another factor at work here, as we're going to soon see. The Christian from, is saved from all this is he rem, if he remembers that what he's doing is the will of God. Did you notice that phrase? Paul says that we have to obey our earthly masters in singleness of heart, doing the will of God from the heart. What is the will of God And what we're talking about here? It's your job. It's your work. It's where you are the very work that you're doing where you're doing it with the people you're doing it with under the present circumstances and conditions that you're working this is God's choice for you right now can because that's where you are that's where you are you may not like it right now you may have visions and and and, and, and aspirations to go beyond but where you are right now is where God has you or you wouldn't be there so again this is God's choice so the attitude that accompanies this, this activity of obedience must be fearfulness, fearfulness of trusting the flesh and faithfulness in doing all things as serving to the Lord who is always present, no matter where we are. Uh, one other factor is added by way of motivation, and, and, and there's to be an awareness of this. Paul says, of an unseen but powerful fact knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. That's always at work in any situation that involves a believer or a follower of Jesus Christ. It's always at work. It doesn't make any difference what your status in life is. When work is done unto Christ, he goes to work, hear me out, correcting those conditions that may be making you unhappy in the workplace. This is important here. When you work as unto the Lord, and you're doing it faithfully unto the Lord, no matter what that is, God will go to work to correct those things that may be making you unhappy. I believe that with all my heart. Because God does not promise to always correct the condition as we see it. There's the key. As we see it. Because sometimes believers will live under very difficult and contrary conditions, but they can still exhibit the gift of God's grace in those conditions. All of us know of, of many homes that may be poor and don't have a lot of things materially, but, but, but are so filled with merry hearts and, and joy that comes from the Lord, that they're the envy of all these rich men or rich families who don't have that. that. That is so true. It does not take wealth to have the joy I'm talking about. 
This joy comes from the Lord. The fact that we may be materially deprived in a way is no hindrance in being wonderfully happy. And that's hard to see in this world vision of things. Oh, there's need, and I know that there's, there's elementary supplies of food and water and, and, and health care that, that we as Christians should want to make sure all people have access to. Agreed? We should, because that's the right thing to do. Uh, but, but again, we've got to understand Granted those things, material gain does not contribute to all happiness. Our, our happiness is built on another ground altogether, and that's joy in the Lord, no matter where you are. So remember that, that even though God may call you to live on a lesser income right now than you would like to be living, or maybe other people that are close to you that you don't understand why they are living on a higher income, He's quite prepared to make this up in other ways that will make you the envy of those who have nothing but wealth. I promise you. Here are some of, uh, here are the same threefold divisions that, that we find here in the text in the word to, uh, that goes to employees. Here too, we also see uh, that this is required for the master as well. Because anytime you have a relationship, as Paul is talking about here, they, they have connection amongst them, and, and we're, we are to be subject to one another. So here's the word for the master or the employer as well. Uh, again, there, there's, there's to be an activity required in this relationship. We already talked about the activity of, of the employee. There's also an activity of the employer. We talked about uh, literally an attitude of the employee, but there's also to be an attitude of the employer. And then also the awareness of the employee, but also an awareness by the employer as well. So again, the activity, I love this, <laughs> do the same to them. No, he's just told the employees to do what? What act? Obey your masters. And, the, and, and he told the employees this, and the employer the master's sitting here, and he's probably reading that, man, that's good. Man, you got to do what I say. But in, in Paul's fashion, comes back, you do the same to them. He flips it, and I love it. And, and, and he said this. It's an amazing thing to say because he said it to the employees, be obedient to your masters. And then he's telling the employers to do the same. So are employers to obey their employees? Yes certainly. Not by doing their work for them. That would be reversing the roles. We're not talking about that. What, what the apostle means here is for the employer, the boss, to hear the suggestions of the person working for them, listen to them, adjust their complaints, and pay attention to what is wrong. Obey them in a sense that you hear what is wrong and you give serious consideration as how to change it to make it right. That's huge. That's what he's talking about in obeying for the master to do the same to the slave or the worker is, is to obey them. And, and Paul puts it another way in Colossians 4.1. He says, masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly. And there's huge 
gospel ramifications in this, and, and, and this is what it means to, to treat them justly and fairly. Christian bosses have no right to treat employees as property. We don't. Even though they've signed, we, you think, well, he's contradicting himself. Because when you sign on to go to work for someone, you're saying you're giving your mind and your body and your skills, and, and for a time period, you're going to be their slave in a sense. I'm not contradicting myself because the word does never contradicts himself. But again, you can't treat employees as property. They do not exist for your enrichment. You have no right to just take money from them that they make for you, to exploit them, to use the sweat of their brow only that you may become richer. That's what Paul's talking about here. No Christian master has the right to think this way. Treat them as people, real people, with real problems, and listen to their problems and do something about them. No, we're not saying just, just let them run over you. We're never saying that. Because we said the same thing to the employee. Have fear and trembling in oneself, not in the boss. And a boss can't go around being afraid uh, uh, of someone who works for them, that I better do everything they say. That's not what we're talking about here. The attitude that is to accompany this action is, is, is put in this negative way. Paul says, stop your threatening. Stop your threatening. Why does he say that? The primary cause of an employee unhappiness is to have constantly hanging over their heads a threat of dismissal or of some kind of retribution like cutting of wages in order to motivate them to work harder. You hear me out? That's common. If you took any bad situation that a person may think they're going through at work, and there's a lot of different things, but the majority would be this, that the, 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 the boss is constantly hanging over the guy or gal working for him and threatening them, if you don't do better, we're letting you go. I'm going to cut a dollar an hour off your salary. You're going to have to do this. And that's the common problem. And, and this does nothing but create resentment, bitterness, and rebellion in the hearts of the employees. It's absolutely wrong. It creates more problems than it ever solves. The relationship of Christian employers to the employees must not be that of threatening. It doesn't mean now you can't fire someone if they're doing their job, Right? Has anybody ever had to fire someone? I hate that. I've had to do that times in my life. And, it, and it's just, I don't like it. I really don't. But, but you, if someone's not doing their job or they're unqualified, you know, you can't, you can't not take care of that because we're supposed to. And, and again, but, but if we hold something over them as a threat, that's wrong in the eyes of God. And Christian masters will answer <laughs> to God in every one of these things. He says this in the text. The basic relationship might, must not be one of fear, but one of mutual respect for their employees. And at the end of the day, if I'm a follower of Christ and I have people working for me, and I'm fortunate in my position with FCA and, and across North Georgia, we have 70-something, two, three-something, there's more coming on, staff that, 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 that work under this this footprint of North Georgia FCA. And that's pretty cool. And I guess ultimately, I'm the boss. I don't like that term, but it, oh, this is where it is. God's put me here. But at the end of the day, 
those, those, those guys and gals are believers. They're followers of Jesus Christ. So it, it makes this easier on me. I, I, I hear what you're saying because I want you to hear what I'm saying. And yeah, Clint, it's easy for you to say that. You work with a bunch of believers. You don't know who's working next to me tomorrow morning and what I have to go through. I remember those days, Darren, working commercial construction, and, and I had young kids, and I was trying to be a student pastor and be faithful to the Lord and be on a commercial job site all day, and I would come home and be dirty with, with grease and oil and, and welding and, and pipe fitting and just dirty there, but also just so dirty, it felt like spiritually, just all the stuff that you hear and see, man, you just had to wash yourself physically, but also spiritually. I get it. I know that's tough. But, but here God is... is, is given us a picture of believers working together in the workplace. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. There's certain things, the way they're lined up, and we honor that. It's just the way things are, but we are brothers in Christ. So Paul gives us a hidden factor that, that, that we all must be acutely aware of here. He says, knowing that he is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no partiality with him. So when Paul says Christ is in heaven, he's letting both, especially the employers, but the employees as well, but the employers know that the Lord is on the throne. He's the son of God. Uh, uh, and his authority over them is so much greater than the employer over the employee. And, and, and it's more absolute. And, and again, he is in the situation and he is going to deal with it without partiality. Romans 2.11, I love this, God shows no favoritism. So he's not impressed by our big houses and cars and, or by our status in society or by the fact that others may serve us, that others may run errands for us. He's totally unimpressed by this. He will, de he will deal in utter, honestly, utter, utter honesty with all of us when we stand before him. He will do that in utter honesty. That didn't go well together as I try to get that out. Regardless of our social standing. So remember that he is the one who said in Matthew 25, inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. The one who says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, do good to those who despitefully use you, that's Matthew 5 with Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, the whole life is to be lived with this awareness of the Lord's concern for our relationships everywhere, especially the workplace. This is, um, I mentioned this earlier, I guess in the introduction, it's, it's a far cry from what is really common amongst believers within the church in this day and age because the common attitude that, that Christians usually take, frequently take, is that church is one thing, business is another. Uh, that, that we can be kind and, and gracious and tender toward one another at church, 
But boy, you better not get in my way in the workforce tomorrow. You better get on and do what I tell you to do regardless. Or he ain't telling me what to do, thinking he's the man. You know, I'm, I'm just telling you, these are attitudes that we have as Christians. But we would never carry that in. Well, hopefully we would never carry that into the church. And as believers, we're called to be followers. We're called to walk worthy of the call in which we're called, Jason, everywhere. And it is a concern of God. So, so this, is, this is wrong to think that way. Anyone who, who takes that stand will find that, that God, who sees all things, has a remarkable way of adjusting those situations. When we get too full of ourselves, he'll straighten it up. Happiness can drain from a home where uh, reliance is put upon status and wealth, and, and, and that home can become this, this empty, hollow shell having all the outward appearance. Paul talks about, I mean, the, the whitewashed tombs. Remember, they look good on the outside. Everything looks good out there, but the inside is hollow and empty. I don't want to be that. And God has a wonderful way of taking a home where there might not be much materially, but there's trust in him no matter what. Feeling it with joy and peace and glory of a relationship that has happiness with one another. I mean, Casey shared with the, the guys leading early when I, I walked in and he was talking about and he shared it with you, the, the fact that we're even here, that we can come before the very throne of God, knowing that he's my peace, Miss Vicky. He's my joy. He's my happiness. All my glory is in him, no matter where I am. And, and the ground is level there. We've got certain fundamental things that we have to do within the structure of things. But man, if we're doing it to the Lord, giving him the honor, giving him the praise, it doesn't matter what you have or what you don't have. God honors that. Man, that doesn't mean <laughs> that all the poor people are happy and all the wealthy people are sad. I'm not saying that. What, what, what I'm saying it depends upon how we honestly and faithfully live our lives in, in light of this awareness of this unchangeable faithfulness God has to us. Un, unchangeable faithfulness. No matter our position, may God help us to face life thinking that way. Doesn't matter who we are, where we are, if we are totally dependent and committed to him, we can be aware that he is always faithful. That never changes. No matter the situation, he will get us through it. And as the, the guys are going to come on up as we close out here, I want us all to know that God cares about what we're doing Monday through Friday. God cares about what's going on at work and is, is watching each of us
and sees what we're doing and, and what we're experiencing. Whatever position we're in at work, we're working for the Lord. Therefore, we work with integrity and, and we give what we're supposed to give to our jobs as an expression of our commitment to Jesus Christ, who, who I'm glad, I'm glad he didn't go to the cross just looking for eye service. I'm glad he just didn't go to the cross just looking to please man. He went to the cross as he was committed to his Father in heaven. And I'm thankful for that. So we, we do this, <laughs> this work with integrity and, 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 and given what we're supposed to at our jobs. We do this with two motivations. And I'm going to leave you with this. We love Jesus. We love Jesus and want to show the world our love for him throughout the week while we're at work. Walking worthy of the calling in which we were called, knowing that our Father in heaven will reward us as we deserve. It's not man that's gonna reward us. Those things burn up, they don't last. But God, man, he will reward us for that, that hard work. And my prayer this morning is that, that we take these words and as God's spirit takes them to the depths of our heart this morning and challenges us because we're living before him and there's no area of our life that's not subject to his gauge, his gaze or his judgment. So I pray this morning that wherever you may be, and you may say, well, I'm, I'm not really working right now. I'm 12. I get it. But I'm hoping your parents heard when we talked about chores, teaching children to have responsibility, to not be dependent upon those snowplow parents. Taught you that term last week. Work is unto the Lord, not to man. It's mentioned many times in the New Testament, and I pray that we do a better job of that. And maybe you need to come this morning. I'm here. We have others that will come down if you need someone to pray with you. So if you will, let's stand as we pray. God, we thank you. We love you. We call on you. Help us to... love you better <laughs> within these relationships that we've talked over the past three weeks about the marriage the home and now today the workplace help us to just simply love you and submit and surrender to you because in doing that that's everything else comes in order and if someone here this morning who's never made that commitment they've never surrendered to you God I pray they come this morning there's no greater day than today to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and God, his Father in heaven. And that's simple. Just realizing that he created us, but we've messed it up. 
but he loves us while we're unlovable and he sent his son Jesus Christ to the cross who lived a perfect life to die for my sin, your sin, the sins of the world. But we have to make a choice to surrender to that. And I pray if someone's struggling with that this morning, that their choice will be yes. God, we love you in Jesus' name, amen.
This fit for a king. He ain't got nothing else. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you so much. Uh, you guys can be seated real quick. Uh, a couple of things before we get out of here. Again, thank you if you're here with us this morning. And uh, Rick's walking down here with a microphone, and that scares me. Because is mine about to go out, or are you fixing to preach for a little while? Come on. I like it. <laughs> so again, a couple of things. Uh, if you're a visitor here this morning, we're so thankful that you're here. Uh, thankful for uh, that. I'll be back in the back corner when we close out service. You want to come by? We got a little gift for you. We'd love to capture some information. We're not going to come banging on your door, but if there's something we can do for you, we want to be able to do that as a church, as a group of believers. And uh, other things, real quick, it's in your worship bulletin. Uh, really, if you're going to buy Boston Bus to help fund uh, Operation Christmas Child, we got to order those tomorrow. No, they're good. I mean, Mike and Bruce, they know how to do these things. I promise you, Mike cooked some for East Hall football on uh, Friday, and my, my husky benefited from one of them bones. He was pretty happy about that. So, again, get those, order them. If you, if you can go online and do it, but at least talk to Mike or Bruce and say, hey, I want a butt because we want to make sure we have some, and that's a great way to help fund uh, that, the shipping costs and all those things. I think that's what's helping, whatever we need. But it's for that, and so we thank you there. Uh, the next thing is November, uh, well, next week. Wow, next week. Really good. We got trunk or treat. Believe that? Next week, uh, the 30th, we'll be closing out this sermon series on Ephesians. Uh, Chase Reed's going to be closing that out, uh, helping us next week. Jason Chester's going to be back to help lead worship. He was here a couple of weeks ago. Excited about that. But then we have trunk or treat that afternoon. Weather's supposed to be. Well, I hadn't looked. It's going to be fantastic. It is, there's no doubt. Uh, it's going to be good. And uh, so if you have any questions, get in touch with Miss Mandy, uh, and she will help you there. Uh, Mike will be cooking. So all those details and uh, just a lot of good things coming out. Men's night. Um, Dad, burn it. I forgot the theme. I know it's November 13th. It's right out here. Uh, it's Hebrews. I know that. Endure. Run with endurance. There it is. Run with endurance. So run with endurance. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Uh, beautiful thing there. So we'll make sure you men get there. Uh, besides that, I think I've mentioned everything. Students are going to Washington Farms today, immediately following church. That's going to be really cool for them. Great experience down there. Be praying for them. Safe travels. And they have a great time. This wonderful, I don't know, in between fall, I don't know, summer. Still going to be pretty warm out there today, but they have a great time. And I'm going to stop because Rick's looking at me. Good. Rick. Alrighty. Uh, just a quick update. We gave you an update that we, uh, we've got someone to present to y'all. Uh, so just wanted to uh, give you another update. So we're, we'll be doing a trial sermon uh, December 4th. Uh, so make sure that you are here. Mark your calendars. No excuses. you got to be here. Um, and then we're also working on some itinerary for the rest of that weekend to kind of give some more exposure to this individual. Uh, so you can, you know, pray over that, get to know this person, the family. Uh, so it's just something to look forward to. So if you have any questions, please direct them to me or any of the search committee. So that's it. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for today. Thank you for uh, just loving us and, and allowing us to approach your throne, Lord. Um, 
I just pray that you uh, be with us throughout the week, Lord. Uh, help us be mindful in, in how we manage our households and how we manage our our uh, workplaces, Lord, and, and just uh, allow us to use our, uh, our sphere of influence, Lord, in a positive way uh, that would bring you glory, Lord. So we love you and we thank you for all that you do. It's in your heavenly name that we pray. Amen.